Amen. All right, check this guy out. He was the son of a minister, and he was considered, listen, to be one of the greatest pioneer missionaries of all time. Listen to this. He was endowed with such brilliance. Listen, he taught himself to read at the age of three. He wasn't taught to read. He taught himself how to read at the age of three. How many guys are still playing with Lincoln Logs? Right? <laughs> Join the club, right? <laughs> so at the age of three, right? And then not only that, at the age of three, then by his 10th year, he knew Latin and Greek, and he was a serious student of theology at the age of 10. Then at the age of 16, he entered Brown University, where he graduated three years later, a valedictorian of his class. And then while at Andover Theological Seminary, he could not get away from the words in the Bible, the great missionary appeal, go ye, that's right, all of us, into the world. So shortly after that, that's exactly what he did. He and his new wife, Anne, sailed for India. But when the government there refused to allow them to enter into the country, they went to Burma, where they worked for six years day after day before even winning a single soul to Christ. But during those years, he translated the Bible into the Burmese language. And then in 1845, he re returned trip to America. But the burning desire to win the Burmese people to Christ sent him back where he cried out, I will not leave Burma until the cross is planted there forever. But just a few years later, he died. But when all was said and done, 30 years after his death, listen to this, one guy. Burma had 63 Christian churches, 163 missionaries, over 7,000 baptized converts, and 100 years later, on the anniversary of his death, Burma had some 200,000 Christians because of this one guy. Now, his name was Adoniram Judson. Whoa. Now, other than trying to spell that first name and pronounce it, how many guys would say that Adonai Judson had a pretty cool life as a Christian, right? I mean, can, I mean, that's what we all dream about, right? Woo! God can use 200,000 people. One for Jesus Christ. A country radically changed because of one guy. That's a life worth living for. But once again, folks, you know the thing? We've got a problem today. Even though God's the same God, we're just as much his children as Adonai Judson are, right? Correctly? God's the same today, yesterday, today, forever. That's, that's the good news. What's the problem? What are we doing as today's Christians here in America, man? We read the Bible in one hand, we take a look at our lives in the other, and they're just, there's a serious disconnect. It's unplugged from the wall. It, it's not computing. It doesn't match up. And we're left sitting there thinking, going, well, wait a second, man. That's a cool story, and that's real. That really happened. How come, how come these things get to happen to those guys? How come I don't experience that? I don't have this life worth living for. I got a life worth giving up. You ever been there as a Christian? Wondering why? Why then? Not? Well, folks, this is the good news of our study. It doesn't have to be that way. This kind of a life, a life we're living for, is available to every single Christian. Once again, repetition increases remembrance. Let's get this to our head. Turn to somebody and say, hey, that means you. Even Ken. You're supposed to say even Ken. But anyway, that's right. We'll get that next time. And that's why we're going to continue our study. That's right. A life worth living for. Now, what we're doing is taking a look at the different keys I believe are pivotal if we're going to have those life worth living for is like Adonai Judson had, okay? Now, we saw the first six times that first key was experiencing God's joy. Why? Because it's a great witness, right? We live in a joyless world, so God gives us the antithesis of that joy, woohoo, on a regular basis, leading souls to him. Then we saw the last 16 times, the second key was experiencing God's peace. He's not only given us his joy, he's given us a wonderful two-bang punch to witness with, right? Joy and peace. Why? Because we not only live in a joyless world, we live in a peaceless world. And so here we come, just doing our Christian thing, just enjoying a walk with Jesus, full of joy, full of peace. And what happens? People, hey, can I get that word? Well, and we get to lead him to Jesus. This isn't, it's free. The enemy knows that. 
He knows that all too well. That's a great witness for Jesus. So he tricks us into short-circuiting that joy and peace that he's already given to us, God's given to us. And last two times we saw the seventh way he does that is by getting us to have a misplaced posture. Oh, and it wasn't the back. It was a, the neck. Remember that? It was a stiff neck, misplaced posture, being stubborn towards the will of God. And we saw, hey, listen, all the Bible says if you would just have a biblical posture, one that has a serious focus on the will of God, an unshakable trust in the will of God, and one that's got a steadfast joy in the will of God, knowing that something good is coming. Why? Because God is good, and I didn't say it. He did. He works all things together for good. So guess what? Leave the marshmallow there. Remember that? Don't touch it. Don't even smell it little and taste it just leave it there and the reward's coming god's gonna do something good just wait for it okay and that's how we maintain uh, not only his joy but his peace okay but the third key that i've learned personally and i had to learn this i'll get to this in a second a brand spanking new christian two weeks old in the lord this radically altered my walk with jesus christ from this day uh on up to this day and that's this how to experience god's worship and this is one of those terms that I think we use loosely. We always think worship, that's music. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But you know, we're not even there yet. But Paul says, Romans chapter 12, the greatest way you can worship God is 24-7 with your life. Music is part of it, but that's not all, okay? And what I've learned and what I had to learn right as soon as I got saved is you can not only mess up being a positive witness for Jesus by not experiencing his joy that he's already given to you, and not experiencing his peace that he's also already given to you, but it's by not having truly Christian an attitude, a daily, moment-by-moment attitude of worshiping God. Okay, and not just with your mouth, but your countenance, your life. That you're truly a worshiper of Jesus, not just on Sunday mornings when we sing together. Every day you worship Jesus is a profound witness. Now the antithesis to that is not an attitude of worship, it's an attitude of complaining. Why are you even complaining? The, you're not complaining about this, are you? This is the greatest sermon you ever heard in your life, right? Yeah, yeah you're catching on, that's good, okay. <laughs> it's an attitude of complaining. And you think about it, folks, let's be honest, this, this is one of the worst advertisements for Jesus, right? We just got done singing a song, how great thou art, can you? Yeah, how great thou art. What are we saying it like that? Is something duplicit going on there. And that's what we do. We say, oh, uh, hey, 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 lost friend, buddy, uh, co-worker, family member, right? Hey, come to Jesus. He's awesome. I feel so full of joy and satisfied and fulfilled in life. And he's awesome. Don't you want to accept him too? And five minutes later, what are we doing? <laughs> Can you believe what I said? <laughs> We're whining and complaining like everybody else, right? And folks, whether you realize it or not, we're given the impression, listen, the world's not dumb. This is what God showed me. You're giving the impression with your mouth, Christian, that God doesn't know what he's doing. And he doesn't know how to take care of you because you're grumbling and whining against his provision as if he is some sort of inept being. And the world looks at that and says, excuse me, apparently he doesn't know how to take care of you. I don't need him. Let me give you another analogy. It's like somebody saying to you, hey, man, there's this new pizza joint in Vegas. How many guys like pizza? Right? All two of you. Praise God. Okay? I'm not going to say chicken. You know that's true. It's a pizza, right? It's a pizza, new pizza joint. Oh, you've got to try it. It's so awesome. It's incredible, man. You've got to, we're going this week, man. I'll pay. You've got to try You get there, and there's a line all right, but there's a line going into the back alley, and everybody's going, bleh, bleh. are you going to eat there? No. Seeing people barf at a pizza joint is not a good sign. 
when we whine and complain with our mouth, you're barfing people. Yeah, see, it makes you sneeze too, okay? You're a barfy advertisement for Jesus, okay? And again, I'm telling you, I had to learn this when I first got saved. God really set the pace for me right out of the gates, man. He drilled this one into my heart. Uh, as you guys know, my testimony, uh, hopefully most of you, I came out of the heavy metal bar scene and all kinds of occult stuff and drugs and immorality and all that stuff. So it was a no-brainer that when I first got saved that uh, when I gave this life to Jesus, I needed to make a clean break from the crowd I was hanging out with, right? From the life I was living. Okay, but I had a problem. I like being around people. Kind of a people person, okay? Gregarious. And so there I was, <clears throat> I kid you not, brand new Christian. I'm dropping all former ties, right? And I, 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 I'm starting all over, and I'm there. I'm a brand new Christian. I'm excited about Jesus. And, but, at, but at the same time, I'm kind of lonely, kind of getting kind of a little depressed there, you know? It, it's, it's what I call the hee-haw theology. Anybody ever tortured with that show growing up besides me? Man, right? It's that mentality that comes across your brain. Gloom, despair, and agony only, right? Deep, dark, depression, lots of me. Well, that's the, my mindset, right? It was a weird dichotomy. I was excited. I was got saved. Praise God. But I was poor, lonely, God in his sovereignty sent my sister, Terry. She was the only Christian in our family for many years. Out from Kansas two weeks after I got saved. And she began the process of discipling me. And, but I continue with my whining and complaining. Poor lonely man. And I must admit, right, uh, that I was, uh, frankly, emotionally draining to be around. Okay? And, but she said something to me that altered my walk with Jesus Christ up until this day. And she said this. She did. She looked me straight in the eye, man, as only a big sister could do. And I kid you not. She said this. Hey! She literally stopped me in the car. Oh, I'm doing this right. She said, hey! You better make up your mind once and for all, little brother. Who are you going to worship with your mouth? God or Satan? Now, granted, you think, whoa, that's not something you typically say to a brand new believer. But that's exactly what I needed to hear. And Christian, I'm telling you today, here at Sunrise, we, we need the same challenge. I'm going to challenge us just like my sister did to me. Sunrise! Who are you going to worship with your mouth? God or Satan? And we all know the right answer is God. Hello, we're Christians, right? But see, this is the game that we play. We don't realize that the words coming out of your mouth reveal who it is. And this is what the world picks up on. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to God. So open your Bibles, if you will, to uh, Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Jesus in this passage here is going to give us two different ways, unfortunately, that somebody could be a hypocrite uh, or a hypocrite, however you want to pronounce that word. And as you turn there to Luke chapter 6, okay, verses 41 through 45, we'll look at two examples. How many of you guys have realized that if there's something you don't want to emulate, even though it's in Scripture, <clears throat> it's being a hypocrite? Okay, all right, so, but he's going to expose for us how you are being a hypocrite, whether you want to admit it or not, right? Two different ways. Let's take a look at the first one and then the second one. Verse 41, Luke chapter 6, Jesus said this. Hey, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's what? Eye. And you pay no attention to the plank in your own eye. How could you say to your brother, brother, let me take this speck out of your eye. When you yourself fail to see that there's a plank in your own eye. You what? You hypocrite. Therefore, you should never judge because Christians shouldn't judge. Excuse me, that's not what it says. How many times have we been lied to with that one? We've dealt with this many times before in the pulpit, if you know, and have been here for a while here at sunrise. It's a lie from the pit of hell to say that a Christian shouldn't judge. 
We're not judging, we're upholding God's judgment. What he's saying here, even in this passage, if people want to quote and say, you shouldn't judge, keep reading the context, as we will in a second. He says, don't be a hypocrite when you judge. He doesn't say, don't ever judge. He says, don't be a hypocrite. Get rid of your hypocrisy first, then help the other guy. And that's what he says here next. He says, you hypocrite, take first the plank out of your own eye, then what? Keep your mouth shut? No, then you will see clearly to what? Remove the speck from your brother's eye. But that's the first way to be a hypocrite. Second one's this. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. In fact, you guys know this. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Come on. And the same thing with people. The good man, you want to say you're good? Well, he brings the good out of the good things stored up in his what? Heart. And the evil man, how do you know if he's evil? He brings up the evil things out of, that's stored up in his heart. Well, how do you know what's in a person's heart? How do you know what's really going on? Here's the acid test. For out of the overflow of his heart, what eventually gives it away? The mouth speaks. Oh, you could say one thing or another, but man, if you're really soaring something different in your heart, eventually it's going to come to the surface, right? Jesus gives us two examples. How do you know when somebody's being a hypocrite? He says, number one, you can be a hypocrite by judging with your eyes. Okay, the second example he says there, you can be a hypocrite by judging by the words coming out of your mouth. And it's the same thing we say, oh, I'm a worshiper of Jesus. I'm a worshiper of Jesus. How do you know? He says right here, you can say all you want, that you worship God, that you're a lover of Jesus, you're a worshiper of him, but what comes out of your mouth on a regular daily basis, oh, by the way, in front of God, who sees it all, reveals the truth. And this is what I believe my sister was trying to tell me. Christian, every single day we have a choice to make, okay? You can either glorify God with your mouth or you can glorify, in essence, Satan with your mouth. There is no in-between, okay? Unless you think that's not really what we're doing when we whine and complain and grumble. That's really what we're doing. Because if you think about the devil, folks, stop and think about who he is and what he does. Does he not listen, whine and complain, and accuse God and God's people 24 hours a day, seven days a week? Read the book of Job. Right? That's what he does. Okay? He whines, he complains, he makes accusations. You should do it this way. Did you see that? Or that he should, I saw. It's the same thing. That's why the Bible calls him the great accuser. The, the word devil, diabolos, means one who riddles with accusations in the form of what? Complaints. So we can deny it all we want. I don't, I don't know. I'd never glorify the devil. The words coming out of your mouth reveal who you are glorifying or worshiping. I don't know about you guys, but I'd say, man, a Christian, uh, if your life is glorifying the devil, that's not a life worth living for. Can we at least agree on that premise? Okay, so therefore, as a protective measure... And the theme of what my sister did to me, I'd say we better uh, ex you know, learn how to experience God's worship on a more regular basis and take a look at these harmful effects of complaining. How about you? You're not complaining, are you? Okay, good. You're still catching the theme, okay? And the first harmful effect that we're going to deal with that complaining, folks, is that it affects you. Turn to somebody and say, that means you. Okay, it affects you, okay? And I'm going to bring up two ways that it affects you, folks. And see, we may not see it, but just this is exactly what goes on. The first way that a life of complaining affects you is, listen, the Bible is very clear. It will shrivel your heart. It will turn you into one of those dry, crusty, rusty Christians. You ever run across those folks? You ever wonder why, how that happens, right? You're a Christian. You're excited. You're worshiping Jesus. Things are great, right? Things are, and you run across that other Christian, I mean, at some point, they started out so vibrant and worshipful and joyful and went, yeah, Jesus, right? And that's what you expect. But then all of a sudden, 
oh, you're a Christian? <laughs> what happened to you? Believe it or not, it might have been what was coming out of their mouth, and they didn't shut it off. The Bible says if you don't, you're going to shrivel up spiritually. I'm telling you, and this, this is the game that we play. Proverbs 25, or 12, 25 says, an anxious heart. What's that do? That weighs a person down, but what's a kind word do? Cheers them up, right? Woohoo! We love being around those kind of folks, right? Proverbs 15, 4, the tongue that brings healing is a what? It's a tree of life. Yeah, it's good for you, but what? A deceitful tongue, listen, crushes the spirit. Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart, that's good medicine. Yeah, we love being around those folks, but listen, a crushed spirit, what? Dries up your bone, not your skin, your bones, that's to the core. How many guys would say that something, some behavior, some activity, whatever it is that crushes your spirit and literally dries up your bones is kind of not good. And that's what the Bible says happens with your mouth. Not a happy, cheerful tongue expressing kind words like you would expect from a worshiper of Jesus, right? You're so grateful, praise God. I've said this so many times before. Hey, listen, Christian, if all there ever was for God, he saved you from eternal damnation and hell. Me too, we all deserve to go there. And then he left us alone. We're all on our own until we get to heaven. Isn't that enough to keep a smile on your face? But he gives us so much more, doesn't he? We're indwelt with his spirit. He gives us his joy. He, said, he promises he's gonna work all things. How could we not smile for Jesus every day? A happy, cheerful mouth or tongue expressing kind words, that provides healing to the bones. We love hanging out with those people. But that Christian somehow, when you get into that state of mind and all that ever comes out of your mouth, hearts, it's harmful, it's broken, it's busted. You got no kind words. And it will crush not only you, it will shrivel you up spiritually. And you'll become an instrument of hurt to other people. See, we don't think we're ever gonna turn into those people. But folks, believe it or not, if you don't shut it off, you might turn into this lady. There was a New York woman, she was at her hairdresser's on Park Avenue, getting her hair uh, styled prior to a trip to Rome with her husband. Okay, it was not the Tozers, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and she mentioned the trip to her hairdresser, right? And she responds this way, Rome? Pfft, why would anybody want to go there? It's crowded, it's dirty, you're crazy to go to Rome, so, so how are you getting there? And so the lady said, well, we're taking American Airlines. We got this great rate. And the uh, hairdresser says, American Airlines? That's a terrible airline. Their, their planes are old. They're always late. And so, right, so what are you staying at when you get to Rome? And she said, well, we're staying at this exclusive little uh, place over Rome's left bank at the test. Don't go any further. I know that place. Everybody thinks it's going to be something special and exclusive. But it's, it's really a dump. It's the worst hotel in the city. The rooms are small. The service is rotten. They're always overpriced. So, so, so what are you going to do when you get there? She goes, well, we're going to go see the Vatican. We, we hope to see the Pope. She goes, ah, that's rich, laughed the hairdresser. You and a million other people trying to see him. He'll be the size of an ant. Oh, boy, good luck on this lousy trip of yours. You're going to need it. Whoa. So about a month later, the lady comes back in for a hairdo, and, and the hairdresser, of course, asked her about the trip to Rome. And she goes, oh, it was wonderful. She says, not only were we uh, on time in one of Americans' brand new airplanes, but it was overbooked. Uh, and so they bumped us up to first class, and, and, and the hotel, it was great. They just finished a $5 million remodeling dollar job, and, and now it's the finest hotel in the whole city. In fact, they were overbooked, so they apologized, and they gave us the owner suite and no extra charge. Well. The hairdresser said, that's all well and good, but I know you didn't get to see the Pope. 
She goes, well, actually, we're quite lucky. Because as we toured the Vatican, this Swiss uh, uh, guard tapped me on the shoulder, and he explained that uh, uh, the Pope likes to meet some of the visitors. And if we, we would be so kind to step into his private room and wait, the Pope would personally greet me. And so sure enough, five minutes later, the Pope walks through the door, he, he shook my hand, and he actually spoke a few words to me. And the hairdresser's sarcastic reply, oh, really? What did he say? And she said, he said, where'd you get that lousy hairdo? <laughs> it's almost like justice. The hairdresser had a problem, didn't she? You know what I'm saying? And can anybody guess what the problem was? You ever run into these folks? Complaining. And apparently it didn't just affect other people's hairdos. It did what the Bible says. Christian, you better be careful. It affects the heart. Okay? Let's be honest, folks. How many guys would love to hang out with that hairdresser? If that person really existed, right? No, of course not. Why? Because hanging out with a person does exactly what the scripture says. It will shrivel you up. It will dry you up. It will crush your spirit. Nobody wants to be around people like that, right? So if you act like that as a Christian and you get around to hopefully sharing the gospel, do you think they really want to listen? No. Not at all. They don't want to hang out with you. They want to run away from you. You didn't even get to talk about Jesus. My, so my question is, well, how, does, how do you get into that? Because obviously at some point, I would assume, when we got saved, things were great, things were exciting, things were awesome. It was that vibrant, worshipful attitude mouth. With, with you, how, how, how did you turn into that lady? I broke it down. I think it's like this. Every day, Christian, we have a choice to make. This is what my sister was telling me. Every day we go through different experiences, right? Every single day you get up, it's going to happen in our world. Now, you can label them good, bad, or ugly, but in every single occurrence you go through, every single day, you have a choice to make. And you can either choose to focus on God, put your faith and trust in Him, as we just finished 16 weeks about, that He's good, He knows what He's doing, trust Him, or you can focus only on your situation, doubt God, whine and complain, and you keep that up, you become like that hairdresser. The hairdresser's problem was she was a negative personality, wasn't she? She had a negative mindset. It wasn't just her. It was negative about everything, other people around her. And folks, the problem with getting into a negative state, you could have all kinds of great things going around you, but that negativity blinds you to it. One of my favorite analogies to expose this truth is this. Jim Smith, he goes to church service on Sunday morning. Right, he's a Christian. He heard the organist miss a note during the prelude, and he winced. Then he saw a teenager talking when everybody was supposed to be bowed in silent prayer. And he felt like the usher was watching to see what he put in the offering plate, and it made him boil. He, he caught the preacher, must have been here, making a slip of the tongue five times in the sermon by actual count. And as he slipped through the doors uh, during the closing hymn, he muttered to himself, never again, what a bunch of clods and hypocrites. Well, Ron Jones, he, he goes to church service on Sunday morning. He heard the organist play an arrangement of a mighty fortress, and he was thrilled at the majesty of it, right? And then, then he heard a young girl take a moment in the service to speak, to speak of how her a simple movie message of the difference her faith is making in her life. And he was glad to see that the church was sharing in a special offering uh, for the hungry children in Nigeria. And he especially appreciated the sermon that Sunday because it answered a question that had been bugging him for a whole long time. 
And he thought as he walked out through the doors, he says, how can a man come here and not feel the presence of God? Here's your punchline. Both men went to the exact same church service on the exact same Sunday. But each one found what they were looking for. What do we look for, not just on Sunday mornings, Christian, what do we look for every day? Where's your mindset? Folks, we are never at the mercy of our circumstances. And whining and complaining is something we do not have to do. Did you realize that? It is a choice. And just like those two guys, you can choose either to focus on God, trust he knows what he's doing, praise him, maintain that positive attitude, and be a positive witness for Jesus. Or you can focus on yourself, start whining and complaining because you didn't get what you wanted when you wanted and get a negative attitude. Now listen, the Bible says unless you stop that, Unless you turn around, unless you turn around real fast, you're not only going to listen, start seeing the negative side of life, which will blind you to all the good things God is doing, but you'll end up with a shriveled heart. You will just be crushed in your spirit. It will dry up your bones. And the next thing you know, you're one of those Christians. That's how it happens. Every day, what we go through, choose correctly okay the second way that a complaint affects you if you really don't shut it off you think that lady was bad Mm -mm. gets even worse you turn into one of these people it springs forth bitterness springs forth bitterness and this is what actually the writer of hebrews warns us in the church man don't let anybody do this if you see a brother in christ heading down this route warn them warn them hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 through 15 work at living in peace with everybody you like and those people you enjoy I'm sorry, wrong translation. Everyone, right? We're a Christian. And work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. And look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And listen, watch out, Christian church, that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up. Listen, not just to trouble you, what happens? You don't shut that thing up, it's going to corrupt many. And isn't that the truth? right? The Bible says that you and I as Christians, we all need to work every single day, certainly amongst each other, living peaceful, holy lives. We need to be watching out. Listen, he puts it here, so that means it could happen. You could actually, Christian, start out awesome, and you walk with Jesus. Woo, I'm saved. I'm not going to hell. Life is awesome. God, I got a relationship with God, the creator of the universe. Whoa. And the next thing you know, if you're not careful, you're going to live a bitter, poisonous life. What? Could that really happen? Have you ever run into those people, quote, in the church? You ever see the non-Christian run into those people in a church? What do they do? They know come backy. <laughs> those kind of people drive people away, right? And this is the reason why bitterness doesn't just affect you. The scripture is clear. It eventually starts to affect the people around you. And again, this is the truth, folks. How many guys, every day you get up, you go, oh, please. Oh, please, please, please. Maybe today will be the day I can, I can, I can make friends with another bitter person. I just love bitter people. They're so awesome. If, if I can only have 10 more bitter people to hang out with. We don't want to hang out with bitter people. Because Why? He's sucking down, right? Crush up your spirit. Ugh. 
But the scripture says, if you're not careful, what's going to do? You're going to start doing the same thing. Because that bitterness root will destroy. Of course, they're in that state. But oh, it's got to come out like a deadly infection. And it starts to affect you too. But folks, the Bible's clear. Bitterness, listen, always inflicts a deeper wound on the person who harbors it than the person whom they direct it to. This couple found it out the hard way. There's this man and his wife, and they had car trouble on this lonely road out in the country. And as fate would have it, a farmer, you know, he's coming their way, right? And so he agrees to tow them into town uh, where he was from uh, to the nearest garage. And, and, but, but on the way there, their need was met. Praise God, they weren't stranded. Their need was met. On the way, though, the wife is complaining to her husband about the fee that the farmer was charging. She said, it's scandalous to charge us $10 for towing our car only three miles. He was already going that way, to which her husband replied, never mind, dear. I'm getting my revenge. I've got my brakes on. Now, if you know anything about vehicles besides Orson, how many guys would say that you're really, yeah, you're really getting back at that person? No. You're destroying the vehicle. How many times, folks, do we get fooled like that couple? Because that's what we do. You don't understand what they did to me. There's a reason why I'm bitter. I'm getting back at those people who did that. No, you're not. Can I tell you the humbling truth that I've learned years ago? You see, you're harboring that bitter thing. You're harboring that grudge is another word we call for it. Oh, and they, oh, man, they're going to get it, man. I'm telling you, and you invent ways, and man, if they can only see how mad I was at them. Can I tell you something? Guess what? They probably already forgot about it. Can we deal with that? I've learned that the hard way. So in essence, it's just like the breaks. The only person you're hurting is you. But the whole time you're doing that and you're supposed to be a Christian, what kind of a witness is that? Yeah, come to Jesus. He's great. He's awesome. He's incredible. Don't you want to be saved? <laughs> what? How did, how did that happen? I mean, because at some point you started out, yeah, I'm saved, yeah. Because somewhere along the line, one day, something happened to you. And you had a choice to make. The problem was you chose wrong. Instead of trusting and praising God that he knows what he's doing every single day, you chose to whine and complain every single day until one day, listen, nobody made it, you do it. You turn yourself into that bitter person. And the whole time is you didn't have to. The process of a bitter heart begins not just with complaining, but complaining day after day after day after day, and you refuse to shut it off. Therefore, I'm going to make sure we're on the same page. I want to give you a couple of illustrations as we close so that we can get this drilled in our head that, folks, this is not, this is a serious danger, okay? Complaining will really alter you, and as we just saw with bitterness, it will actually destroy you. Let's take a look at some other people who also put something negative in their mouth, and let's see if it had a positive effect on them, okay? Let's take a look at those who start using drugs. These are actual pictures, believe it or not. Uh, from the police headquarters, okay? And let's take a look at some uh, time-lapse issues, okay? So as you can see, the lady on the left in January 2008 began using drugs in August. She turned into that. It didn't take very long. Oh, but that's not all. Uh, how about this lady? 11 months later, was transformed into that by using drugs. How about this guy, right? He turned into that. 
in three months using drugs. Looked like you got ran over by a truck with all due respect. How about this lady, young lady, and in two and a half years, and I'm not making fun of her, she looks like a grandma. In two and a half years, that's what drugs did to her. How about this guy? Hey, he's an intern, and three months later, look at that, how he trans. And this young lady, look at that, a year and a half later, using drugs, look how much she's transformed. Is it for the better? No, radically. And watch this, a young lady, a young mom, right? And look, and, and two and a half years later, she now became that, with all due respect. Folks, when you take a look at the physical effects of using drugs, how many guys would say it not only messes you up, but it literally will alter your appearance, right? Proof's in the pudding, okay? And again, you think about it, I'm sure when they first started, no big deal. I can stop any time. It ain't going to hurt me. You hear all the excuses, right? That's not, it's just a small thing. Because you didn't stop it, what happened to you? It literally altered your appearance and it destroyed your life. Can I tell you the same thing? Spiritually, it's the same thing with complaining. Whining, complaining, listen to this. You take drugs internally and it will destroy you externally, right? We just saw the proof. But the Bible says, just like drugs, if you keep complaining externally, it will destroy you internally. See, that's where we get, that's where we get fooled. We think, oh, oh, nobody could see it, but on the inside, God sees it. Your insides are just as messed up. You're shriveled up, crushed. But that's the game we play because we can't see it. But just like drugs, so it is with complaining. Every day, you need to wake up and say, just say no. Just say no, I'm not going down that route. Because I know if I start doing that, it will do that to me on my insides. In fact, I mean, think about that. I mean, have you ever thought if they were really honest with drugs from the outset? I mean, how many people would ever even start, right? I mean, think about it. Let's, let's do that. Hey, you know, how, how about if this was the, the way that they advertise drugs on, on the street or wherever, right? Hey, don't you want to take drugs? You can be just like me. I mean, come on. Don't you want to do these things? These are awesome. I mean, it's awesome. Hey, don't you want to hang out with me? Don't you want to? Hey, this is great stuff for you, man. Oh, your life. Look, I'm 27 years old, but you could look just like this. Hey, do, I mean, come on, don't you want to do drugs? Kids, it's great, man. You're going to have a great time. Your life is going to be incredible. I mean, hey, yeah, look at that. Hey, come on, don't you just want to start doing drugs? It's just so good for you. Folks, how many of you guys realize if that's how it was advertised, drug usage would go way down? But see, that's the illusion. One final analogy, we close. It's the same thing with the gospel. You ever wonder, Christian, maybe the reason why conversions... People coming to Christ is way down is because we're living a life and complaining and we don't realize that we look like that to the lost. And then we're shocked that they don't come to Jesus. In fact, believe it or not, folks, I was able to come across some pictures of people here at sunrise. Now, they started out apparently with a good attitude, but somewhere along the line, they had a choice to make, and they chose wrong. And they were altered in their appearance <laughs> for this negative attitude, right? And the first one, of course, was Ken and Jess. You know, they're still in the touristy stage. They're down the strip, but they're down there doing what we all should do, right? Sharing Jesus. The problem is, Ken's got a problem, oh. as you can tell there, <laughs> right? Now, Jess, obviously, she's got a great attitude, right? Hey, it's Jesus. Yeah, people are going to listen to her, not him. 
I mean, ever since he came to Vegas, his head's done swelled up and his eyeballs all freaking out. And I challenged him. I said, Ken, listen, your job description, hello, you're supposed to be a worship leader, not a freaky leader. And the next thing you know, he starts giving me the eye and says, hey, you better back off, Pastor Billy. I said, man, you ain't going to win souls looking like that. What are you doing? Now, the problem was Bill Wimberly looked into Ken's eyes, and the next thing you know, he starts getting altered. It's like, hey, Bill, come on, man. You're supposed to be the chairman of the deacons, man. You're supposed to lead by example. And he says, all right, Pastor Billy, I'll try to do a better job. Bill, that ain't even better, man. You got something happened to you. I don't know what's going on. And then apparently the interns got influenced by this, too. You won't believe what happened to Ryan and JJ. Okay, as you can see here. Now, hey, wait a second. There is zero Photoshop manipulation. They actually posted this on Facebook as if I wasn't going to ever use that. Excuse me? <laughs> you actually dressed up like that. I can't believe that. <laughs> but speaking of interns, apparently, you know, Bobby, you know, the guys always go up to prompt. Bobby and uh, Mario went up to prompt, and uh, they thought they were going to win souls to Jesus, but... It ain't happening. I, Bobby must have ate chicken or something. And Mario got bit by a squirrel. And I, and I, and I, 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 get, it, I get it that going to prompt ain't that exciting, but you're not going to win souls looking like that. Okay, you know what I'm saying? But uh, folks, how many guys would say that, listen, complaining alters your appearance? <sighs> Maybe not quite as obtuse as Ken. Okay, or Mario getting bit by a squirrel. But it does alter your appearance. And all humor aside, folks, it affects how people receive what we have to say okay in fact as we close i want you to i want to get i want to get this one in your brain if you can't remember anything from this sermon remember this profound truth you'll never get this on a granola bar if a man has limburger cheese on his upper lip he thinks the whole world stinks <laughs> pretty profound i'll repeat that again if a man has limburger cheese on his upper lip he thinks the whole world stinks. Now the illusion there is, listen to this, if he would just flick the stinky cheese off his lip, hey, life is good. It doesn't stink anymore. You're getting the visual, aren't you? Now here's why I'm doing this. Christian, every day when you get up, flick that negative attitude, <laughs> flick the negative attitude off your mouth, your circumstances may not have changed, but life is good. God is good, he knows what he's doing, and you get back to being a positive witness for Jesus. Now that's how you worship God, that's a life worth living for. Let's be that church and let's be those people, amen? Let's pray. Well hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all.
And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that, and it's just as bad. He knows the mind, he knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn, we, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it, and a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. 
The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that? right now well this has been pastor billy crone of sunrise baptist church and and get a life ministries and if there's anything that we can do for you uh please don't hesitate uh to contact us uh our number our information will uh come up here on the screen shortly and uh, uh if there's anything we could do for you please don't hesitate to let us know uh thank you for uh joining us and uh remember i hope to see you in heaven god bless Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.